Control Workplace Hazards. Section 4. Describe general safety precautions and procedures. Before you start working at a new job or a new worksite, make sure you are given basic safety information. This basic information should include at least the following. A guided tour of the work area. A thorough explanation of your responsibilities. Location of first aid equipment and personnel. Location of emergency equipment. Personal protective equipment if required. Method of reporting injuries. Plant safety rules. Plant safety training and orientation. Muster points and evacuation procedures. Safety awareness. Being constantly aware of conditions that affect health and safe working environment is the responsibility of all workers. You must be completely alert when you move about the job site and must have a constant awareness of your surroundings. This should include identifying and fixing potential safety problems, performing day-to-day -day work using the proper safety equipment, checking the condition or operation of safety equipment and tools regularly, identifying safety problems and unsafe work practices, performing tasks safely to avoid danger to self or coworkers, warning coworkers of potential hazards. Horseplay. Horseplay, fighting, and practical jokes are inappropriate behavior for a job site as they can be extremely dangerous and cause injuries. Respect for other safety. Every person has the right to a safe work environment. Everyone must work in accordance with good safety practices as discussed, instructed, and posted. Every person must also refrain from any unsafe act that might endanger oneself or fellow workers. Proximity work. Proximity work is work being performed near a hazard, but not in direct contact with it. Proximity work requires extra, extra caution and awareness of the nearby hazard. The hazard may be hot piping, energized electrical equipment, or running motors and machinery. There may be special clearance requirements that require barricades or having a monitor watch you to maintain safe working distances. When working with a crane near high voltage power lines, extreme caution should be used. Although you are not the operator of the crane, you may be doing the rigging or handling the load that the crane lifts. Keep your distance from power lines. The area surrounding every live power line is referred to as the absolute limit of approach. It is strictly forbidden to move any crane boom, load line, or load into this area unless the power line has been de-energized. There are no exceptions. This absolute limit of approach varies according to local, provincial, state, and federal laws and to the crane manufacturer's recommendation, but generally it is as shown in Figure 1. Electrical Hazard Guidelines In order to create a safe work environment, workers need to guard against contact with electrical voltages and control electrical currents. Make the environment safer by doing the following. Protect portable electrical equipment with an approved ground fault circuit interrupter, GFCI, when using the equipment outdoors. Ensure all the cords are in good condition with the caps and plugs well secured on the cables. 
ensure the proper U-ground plug is in good working condition. Use cords of sufficient gauge for the amount of current used by the tools they are powering. Each tool is labeled with the power that it draws. Wear rubber boots when working in wet conditions and keep your feet dry. Tag any faulty tool that may result in a shock as out of service. Stay clear of overhead power lines and do not use ladders or long-handle paint rollers close to any electrical power line. Communicate with electrician or power company to move or disconnect any cable you need moved or altered. Treat all conductors and bare wires, even apparently de-energized ones, as if they are energized until they are locked out and tagged. Grounding Tools and Equipment The WCB Occupational Health and Safety Regulation 19.15 requires that, when used outdoors or in a wet or damp location, portable electrical equipment, including temporary lighting, must be protected by an approved ground fault circuit interrupter, GFCI. Make sure that all the cords are in good condition with the caps and plugs well secured on the cables. It is important that you use a three-wire cord and the proper U-ground prong on the cord. The third wire is connected to the ground. Therefore, the operator should not receive an electrical shock if the tool or equipment develops a short circuit. Double insulated cords and tools are also effective in preventing shocks when using power tools. Before taking any electrical appliance or tool apart, lock out or disconnect the electrical power supply. Tools. You must think about safety before using any tool. You should know how the tool works and some of the possible dangers of using it incorrectly. Make sure every tool you use is in good condition. Report any tool or piece of equipment that is broken or does not function properly to your immediate supervisor or tool crib attendant. Also tag the equipment and remove it from service for repair or disposal. Proper tool use. Use only tools for their intended function. Make sure the tool is the right size for the job. Do not modify or adapt the tool in a manner that may make it unsafe. Do not use power tools that haven't been tested and certified for use in Canada. Power tools must have a Canadian testing certification label, such as CSA or ULC. General hand tool safety. There are a number of general safety rules that you must follow when you use hand tools. Keep tools clean and in good working order. Wipe them with a light oil to prevent rusting. Never leave tools where they protrude or can fall and strike someone, particularly in an area where work is being done above ground level. Return tools to their proper place when not in use. Always wear safety goggles or a face shield to protect your eyes when using hand tools that may produce flying chips or particles, such as chisels and hammers. When using a sharp edge tool, always cut away from the body. Make sure that all handles on tools, such as axes and hammers, are tight fitting and adequately secured. Keep edge cutting tools properly sharpened so that they do the job well and do not have to be forced because of dull edges. General power tool safety. Extreme care should be taken when operating power tools and equipment. Before you attempt to operate any tool or piece of equipment, you must be fully trained by an experienced operator. Make sure that all guards are in place and function properly, and that all electrical connections are properly made. Observe the following precautions when using equipment. 
understand the correct operating procedures and safety precautions before operating a piece of equipment. Ensure the tools are double insulated and properly grounded. Report defective or unsafe equipment to a responsible individual to prevent serious injury. Do not distract or interfere with the operator of a machine. Ensure cords to electrically powered tools are in good condition with no frayed parts or bare wire showing. Make sure all guards on tools such as saws and grinders are in place, function properly, and are not wedged open. Always keep long hair and beards confined and clothing snug to avoid snagging. Make sure that hand and power tools are inspected, serviced, repaired, sharpened, or dressed as required to make them safe for use. Before using any tool, check the condition of all guards, tool retainers, power supply cords, extension cords, and other accessories. It is an unsafe practice to bypass, disconnect, or remove guards, hoods, or shields. Report any damage or defects and return to the tool crib for tag out. Always use the appropriate safety equipment to protect your eyes and face from flying particles during any drilling, grinding, or buffing operations with an electric or pneumatic power tool. Be sure the equipment or machine is free from obstruction and that all personnel are clear before the machinery is activated. Hold handheld power tools firmly with adequate control and assume a comfortable balanced body position. Possible injury comes from the functional or working part of the tool, which could be the drill, blade, disc, grinding wheel, or other device. Shut off machinery if you are leaving the immediate area. Always disconnect, unplug, or lockout equipment before changing saw blades or grinding wheels, before making major adjustments or performing preventative maintenance. Allow revolving machinery to stop on its own before leaving it. Do not slow down or stop a machine with your hands. Before you begin adjusting or cleaning any machine, make sure it is stopped and lockout tag out or disconnected from the power source. Some power tools have arbors, which are shaft or spindles, for mounting grinding wheels or other rotating tools. Always check to see that the wheel, blade, or other rotating tool is securely mounted on the arbor. The importance of using power tools safely cannot be overemphasized. The two general types of power tools you'll use are electrical and pneumatically powered tools. Do not lift or move an electric tool by its power supply cord. Supply cords are easily damaged and malfunctions can result from improper handling. Always remove plugs by grasping the plug and pulling it straight out of the wall receptacle. Portable pneumatic, which are air-powered tools, present some of the same hazards as electrically powered tools plus some that are unique to pneumatic tools. For example, you can trip over air supply hoses just as you can trip over electric tool cords. If an air hose is cut, broken, or disconnected while under pressure, it can whip about and strike or injure someone. Root air hoses overhead or out of the way so they are not a tripping hazard. Do not, do not allow them to lie where they may be cut or run over by vehicles. The air blowing free from a hose can also cause chips, dirt, and debris to fly about, causing irritating or dangerous conditions for the eyes and lungs. Never point an air tool, example an air chisel, in the direction of another person, as the tool may fly out and strike them. Never use compressed air to clean your clothing or blow air at any part of your body or another person. 
air penetrating your skin can enter your bloodstream and cause death. Ventilation. The environment in which you work is very important. The air around you may be filled with smoke from soldering or welding, fumes from chemicals used for cleaning, or mist from cleaners or paint. The pollutants can be harmful to your health. Adequate ventilation is defined as the use of air movement to reduce concentrations of airborne contaminants to below the acceptable limits in the worker's breathing zone and work area, prevent the buildup of combustible gases and vapors, prevent oxygen-deficient or oxygen-enriched atmospheres from forming. Many types of ventilation equipment may be found in workplaces. Regardless of where you are working, it is important to become familiar with and to use the ventilation equipment or systems. If you are going to be working in a small enclosed area or in a shop where fumes or exhaust are a hazard, make sure that there is an extraction system that it, and that it functions properly. Screens. Safety screens provide protection for people working near or walking by grinding, cutting, or welding. Screens are available for sale, ready to use, or they can be manufactured. Manufactured screens are often made from fire blanket material. WorkSafe BC addresses screens for arc welding. Screens used for that application shall have a non-reflective finish. Confined space work. Confined space describes any enclosed temporary working area that has limited access and egress and is not made for continuous human occupancy. Systematic procedures must be followed for any worker to enter a confined space. If entering a confined space is unavoidable, supervisors are given the responsibility to ensure that all the necessary precautions are taken, to check safety at each stage, to follow all written procedures, and to ensure that all workers are suited for the work and properly trained before they enter the confined space. Mechanical and electrical isolation of equipment is essential if it could otherwise inadvertently operate or be operated. If gas, fumes, or vapors could enter the confined space, supply piping needs to be physically isolated, airborne hazards. In all cases, a check should be made to ensure isolation is effective. Check on the provision for ventilation. You may be able to increase the number of openings and therefore improve ventilation. Mechanical ventilation may be necessary to ensure an adequate supply of fresh air. This is essential where portable gas cylinders and diesel fueled equipment are used inside the space because of the dangers from buildup of engine exhaust. Provisions must be made for breathing apparatus to be made available if it is not possible to maintain adequate oxygen levels for confined space entry. Air testing of the environment is necessary to ensure that it is free from both toxic and flammable vapors and that it is fit to breathe. A competent person should carry out testing using a suitable gas detector that is correctly calibrated. Where the risk assessment indicates that conditions may change, or as a further precaution, continue monitoring the air to detect any changes. The provision for non-sparking tools and especially protected lighting is essential where flammable or potentially explosive atmospheres are likely. In certain confined spaces, example inside metal tanks, suitable precautions to prevent electric shock include use of extra low voltage equipment, typically less than 30 volts, and where necessary, residual current devices such as ground fault circuit interrupters or GFCIs. 
Immediate means of communication must be made available for workers in confined spaces to call the standby person, and the standby person must have a means to call rescue personnel. A rescue team with properly trained personnel and a rescue plan must be in place before any worker is allowed to enter a confined space. All lifelines, harnesses, and lifting equipment must be approved for the application, and the standby person must be able to use the equipment to lift the person from the confined space. Housekeeping. Good housekeeping is a necessity for a safe job site. Some good housekeeping procedures are do not block exits, change burned out light fixtures in work areas, walkways, and exits, keep floors and work areas clean and dry, organize material, equipment, and tools, keep steps and ladders in serviceable condition, keep emergency equipment clean and unobstructed, ensure that all signs and caution labels are in good condition and visible. Put your waste products into properly labeled containers. Flammable liquids. All flammable liquids are volatile by nature, but it's the liquid's vapors combined with air rather than the liquid itself that ignite and burn. The rate of evaporation varies from one liquid to another and decreases with temperature. Increased temperature also increases vapor production. This creates a more hazardous condition. Preventative fire safety precautions will be covered in competency A5, Describe fire safety. Weather. Since tradespersons may have to work in poor weather, you must have adequate rain gear and warm clothing. Good rain gear is a necessity while working in areas where the annual rainfall is high. Care should be taken to keep the head, legs, and feet dry as large amounts of body heat are lost from these areas. Ensure that rain gear will breathe so that is that perspiration is able to escape. Pants and jackets should be loose enough to allow full movement when working. Rubber boots with steel toes and steel shanks are available to protect the feet. Use knee pads if the tasks require frequent kneeling. Not only do the pads protect knees, but they also help to keep them dry when ground conditions are wet. Safety precautions when working at elevations. Falls from elevated areas are one of the leading causes of fatalities in the workplace. While the risk of falls is high, there is much you can do to safeguard yourself. Follow safe, proper safety procedures and staying alert at all times will help you stay safe when working at an elevation. Wind. If your work area is exposed to the wind, a windbreak should be constructed from plywood, polyethylene sheets, or tarps. In high-rise construction, it's common practice to provide a windbreak at each floor until the glazing has been completed. Remember, strong winds can cause your body to lose heat much faster than if the air is still, so it's important to wear windproof clothing. Wall and floor openings. Any opening in a wall or floor is a safety hazard. For protection, openings can be either covered or guarded. Cover any hole whenever possible. When it is not practical to cover a hole, use barricades or guards. The types of guards and barricades used will vary from job to job. There are different rules and procedures related to covering and guarding wall and floor openings. You will use the WorkSafe BC regulations as a minimum guideline, but you will also need to become familiar with the policies on your job site. Guards and barriers. Except for work platforms, such as scaffolds, where fall protection is provided, guards are required whenever there is a drop of 1.22 meters or 4 feet or more. 
Guards and rails must be placed at stairways, openings in floors, and the edges of open floors. Guardrails consist of a top rail, a mid rail, and a tow board. The tow board is to prevent tools and materials from dropping through the openings. Ladders. Ladders are used to perform work in elevated locations. You may use ladders to do many jobs and you must be familiar with the safe use of all ladder types. Types of ladders and the proper use of each are covered in detail later in competency C4, describe ladders and platforms. When climbing or working from a ladder, an important rule to protect yourself against a fall is to maintain three-point contact with the ladder at all times. This means that you either have two hands and one foot or two feet and one hand touching the ladder constantly. The following precautions and procedures apply to all portable ladders. Inspect all portable ladders before use. Do not use ladders with loose, broken, or missing rungs, split side rails, or other dangerous defects. Ensure that aluminum ladders have all members true and straight. Remove from use any aluminum ladder with bends, kinks, or other damage. Have damaged ladders repaired by an appropriate, reputable firm before putting them back into service. Use only transparent protective coatings or preservatives on wooden ladders so that possible defects will remain visible on inspection. No paint. Never reach more than one arm's length beyond the side of a ladder. Do not carry heavy or bulky items while going up or down ladders. Maintain three points of contact. Always face the ladder when climbing up or down. Ensure that all ladders used bear the appropriate Canadian Standards Association, or CSA, label. Be placed on a firm and level base. Are positioned so that the horizontal distance from the base to vertical plane of support observes the 1 to 4 ratio. Have sufficient length to protect, project pro approximately 1 meter or 3 feet above the upper landing to which it provides access. And are secured when necessary to ensure stability during use. Work platforms. The term work platforms refers to a variety of different elevated or suspended work surfaces. This includes scaffolding and the more common boom lift or scissor lift. The chart in figure four outlines the common types of work platforms. Guardrails. Temporary work platforms require guardrails where there is a drop of three meters or 10 feet or more. Guardrails consist of a top rail and a mid rail Tow boards are also required in cases where materials or tools are placed on the work or travel surface and could fall off. The height of a guardrail should be between 1,020 and 1,120 millimeters or 40 to 44 inches. Midrail should be approximately halfway between the work or travel surface and the top rail.